Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board-approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way toward clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. In today's episode, Brittany Fitor, LMSW, has graced us with her beautiful presence. Brittany Fitor, LMSW, graduated from the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, in 2017 with a Bachelor's of Art in Psychology with a minor in Human Development and Family Studies. After moving to New York in 2019 and taking a position as a Behavior Intervention Specialist, Brittany was accepted into Stony Brook University Graduate School of Social Welfare Program. Brittany studied social work with an integrated health specialty. She then completed her student internships with the local libraries and at Long Island Community Hospital. After graduating in 2021, Brittany moved back to Alabama, had a baby, and got married. Brittany accepted her first fully licensed position as a mental health professional with Alabama Department of Corrections working within several prisons across the state, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Alabama Psychiatry, and now Brittany works with the regional hospital in the super fun emergency department. Brittany is just doing her thing to get ready to test for the clinical license. Brittany's experience has given her a chance to understand how versatile a social work license can be. Welcome, Brittany. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Brittany, there was a plaque on the wall of one of my favorite social workers that I used to love reading when I was in her office that basically said social workers have the ability to create create magic with little to no resources. I think you have to have a very active imagination to be able to visualize a solution that just isn't there. What is one of the most creative social work tasks you have ever done? Well, creatively... um... In the emergency department, there was a time where we had a homeless individual who came in. He had had an accident and um, was left with a traumatic brain injury. So he was unable to care for himself. And obviously, he could not continue being homeless. And there are no homeless shelters that will take somebody with that type of disability. So I knew he needed some assistance from like a head injury foundation. But there was not one anywhere near where we are in Montgomery that would be able to assist him. So I knew from being in New York that we had one there. So I thought, you know, if there's one there, there's got to be somewhere in between Alabama and New York that maybe could help him out. And maybe if I can find a bed somewhere, then I could work on getting some charity approval to get him sent somewhere. So I called around, I mean, Georgia, Tennessee, everywhere I could find. Um, And I finally found a place in Illinois that could take him. Um, I told my supervisor about it and she thought it was funny because she was like, every place that we have called said they've already spoke with you. I was like, oh, that's funny. (laughs) So he did end up going to Illinois and he's being treated there in a facility for people with TBIs. Oh my gosh, Brittany. Talk about not only creative, but creating magic, seriously. And the fact that people are trying to create that same magic after you, you had already been there. 
really love that. And you know what I was thinking when you were responding? Such a great answer. That I think a lot of folks, one of the reasons we're doing the podcast is to change the narrative of what the social work profession is and what people think we do. And I think that was just such a great example of sharing, you know, in just even in the hospital setting, how one, we often go above and beyond. We see solutions that are not there. And really just a great example of what it is that we do. Those are the types of things that we do. I'm glad to know you, social worker. Thank you. <laughs> Brittany, tell me a little bit about your social work journey. How did you get here and where do you want to go? What are your plans? Well, um, I guess I got here. I, I took a chance after getting my psychology degree and working in the field of behavior. I wanted to be able to get like to the top. I wanted to grow and I had reached like as far as I can go with the degree that I had. So I took a chance and I applied to Stony Brook. Shocked that I got accepted. Um, and it's kind of just all sprouted from there. Um, I've been trying to get as many experiences as I can before I take my exam, my big clinical exam, so I could know exactly where I want to go and go there very well experienced. So yes. I love that. You know what Stony Brook is, was, is still, because I don't know, you know, we have our, we work on our clinical and the MSW and social work really is the terminal degree. But so often those of us who are high achievers, we want to go back and get that PhD, right? And Stony Brook is on my, I want to do that wall to get my, my PhD because it is such a high tier program. How did you find out from, you know, a psychology degree, human development and family studies, how did you even find out about social work? And then how did you find out about such a top tier program like Stony Brook? It's so funny. All throughout getting my bachelor's degree, I, I did like different teaching assistant positions and research assistants. And all of the mentors that I had told me like, you know, you should really be studying social work. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. And then when I finally did move and I got that job as the behavior specialist, all of my bosses were social workers. And they're like, well, you know, you got to get that social work degree. And I was like, I guess that is what I want to do. I didn't know that social workers could do this. That's awesome. So, yes. How did you find out about Stony Brook? I actually had um, one of my supervisors had just graduated from there. And I thought she was one of the smartest persons I had ever met. And I was like, you learned all this in two years. That is crazy. So that was the program I wanted to go to. Um, yeah. I love that um, you thought that she was the smartest person you knew. And then you're like, I'm smart too. And that's where I'm going. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. got in. I, it cracked me up a little bit that you said you were shocked that you were, you got in. But Brittany, you are actually one of the smartest people I know. So I am absolutely not shocked. What was the resistance, Brittany, about social work? Did you have some preconceived uh, ideas about the profession? Did you know anything about social work? Like why an undergraduate and even when you got that first job, were you like, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. Why were you so resistant to the profession? I guess um, growing up, I had a lot of uh, like contact with social workers in the children field, like 
DHR. Um, just through that's what my mom did. She worked for DHR and sometimes she would bring me in and I would meet social workers in that setting. And I was like, this is really hard. I don't think that that's something that I would be interested in. Um, so when I thought of a social worker, that's what I thought of is children. And I do, I do think that's a common thought. Even now in my job, I have, I go in to see patients and they're like, I don't even have kids. So <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, I doing the interviews over the last month or so, that's one of the preconceived notions of that social workers, one, we work at DHR defects and that we take people's kids, but learning that you grew up and that's kind of what you did see, and yet you still chose social work. I'm like, yay, we're so glad we got you. <laughs> it was almost like this was your life destiny anyway, right? Yes, thank you. And you know what? I noticed that Stony Brook, that, you know, a lot of the schools of social work say school of social work, but Stony Brook actually says school of social welfare program, right? So is that, did you know, even then you knew exactly that you were going to a social work program or did you? Yes, that was really funny because when I was first looking up to see like, what is this social work program that they had? I saw they had an entire school of social welfare with a bunch of different departments and branches under that school. So I was like, this has to be what my supervisor did because this is all that I'm seeing but even like on my degree it says masters of social welfare um which is always interesting when I'm applying to jobs um mm -hmm. I, I like it I mean I think it's it's really cool but I did verify with several people like this is the program that I'm looking for <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because in my you know past life a lot of students that I would get would think that they were getting social work degrees, but in order to become a licensed social worker, which, you know, that credential is so important, you actually have to have a social work degree, not a psychology degree, not a sociology degree, not even a criminal justice degree. And so to see that and to even hear you say that your degree actually says social welfare, I like that you advocated, you knew enough to advocate for yourself to say, this is the degree that's going to get me towards licensure. And I want to make sure our audience knows, make sure the degree that you're getting is the degree that works towards licensure, because there's actually not a license after the sociology degree or the, well, with psychology, you become a psychologist <laughs> or, but even the criminal justice degree. And so in order to become a licensed social worker, you have to have a social work degree. Tell me, one of the things that I love about learning about you over the last couple of years, and we've kind of worked just a little bit on this, but then seeing in your bio today that you did your internship with the local libraries. I know you have a dream regarding social work in the, li in the, in the libraries. Do you mind sharing that with our audience today, just so that people can see how you can do so much with this social work degree? Yes, of course. Um when I got to Stony Brook and I was looking for my internship, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not from Long Island and I was very terrified of having to branch out and getting placed at some random place somewhere on the Island. So I went to my interview and they were like, you are going to work in the libraries. I was like, what am I going to do? I don't like to read. Um, but they had this new program that they were doing and they were mentioning kind of that, 
there are a lot of community resource needs that maybe people are seeking to get at like a hospital or from their primary care office. Um, that's not always the appropriate setting for social needs. So in thinking what would be an appropriate setting for somebody to get help with social needs or ask questions that maybe a social worker can help with. And they thought the, the libraries, that's a great resource. And um, community libraries say a lot about a town. Um, I think it was a great experience. I got placed in one library that was in a really wealthy area of town. And then I got placed in another library, complete other side of Long Island. That was a very, um, it it wasn't a very um, like affluent neighborhood. They had a lot of social needs and they needed a lot of community resources that were, were developing and getting started. They just needed education on what they had available to them. So um, I got to experience two totally different sides of social work and that really Everybody has different needs that social workers can help with. Oh, my goodness. We were just talking about that the other day, that all levels of the economic spectrum need a social worker and we're everywhere. But I want to I want to when you were just talking, I was just thinking a couple of weeks ago just to get out of the house and to do something different. I went to our one of the local libraries. There's so many here in Montgomery, Alabama, and I went to one of the local libraries here and I was there for several hours and you know I'm a social worker so I'm nosy in a good way but one of the things that I noticed was that you know I got there before school let out but then once school let out there were a lot of kids that just came to play games it looked like on the computers but there are also kids who were there with their parent and their parent they weren't looking at the books they were sitting at the tables it felt like a safe quiet place for them to be able to do their homework and then it also, there was just kids that were uh, there to read. So, you know, I saw them browsing in the books and also adults, lots of adults looking um, for books and asking for certain books. I, that really opened my eyes to, you know, when you said it, the local libraries tell a lot about the community. And I so in that moment appreciated that there was this safe, quiet space for all of these different people to come in and get a need that I wouldn't have ever recognized was there had I not gone there that evening. What do you envision? Because, you know, we love doing our vision boards. <laughs> what do you envision about what we could do as social workers here with the local libraries, especially since there's so many here and where we are right now? So I think education on community resources just being in the emergency department, we get a lot of people who come in that are homeless or unsheltered, um, and they just want to know what's available to them. And by coming to the ED, they're putting themselves at risk of getting certain sicknesses like the flu and COVID, and they're dealing with these extended wait times, all to ask me a question. And I think a library would be really appropriate to kind of go over what resources that we have and maybe even to do some research on what the community needs are so that we can advocate for more programs. Um, that's not really something that we could totally do in the hospital. We're trying, but in a library, I feel like we'd get more people, a different group of people, so we can kind of see these are what our community needs. So um, even just 
like in New York, we would even help people with like citizenship applications, um, translations to fill out paperwork. Sometimes, you know, there are people who maybe they can't understand fully an application. So we would help with that. Yeah, I think that our community could really benefit from something like that. I completely agree. And hopefully our mayor gets a hold of this episode and <laughs> grants us some funding. I see you in one of the offices or a social workers, your lead social worker anyway, and you're helping the other social workers do it in the other libraries and having the folk doing the needs assessments, doing the research, providing the resources and changing our community being very impactful just through the library, social work in the libraries. Let's make it a hashtag. I love it. <laughs> there are so many different options. We even had a, a, um, a substance use group that we did in the libraries every week. It was an alternative to AA that we did. And um, yeah, we did some kids groups too for the other town that I worked in. There's like endless possibilities. <laughs> Let's. I hope that we can get a grant for that. We're speaking it. In 2024, we're going to get a grant. <laughs> Social workers in the libraries. I love that. Um, I was thinking while I was reading your bio earlier today, you didn't put that you have your license in New York. I think I that's a big deal. You have your LMSW in New York. And I think that's a big deal. One, because New York is the birthplace of social work, right? And it is a difficult process. And so for those who want to be multi- state licensed and then especially with New York in New York where there's such a huge need and social workers are are so valued we really are in that particular state do you mind sharing a little bit about your process of being licensed in New York yes sure so I would say it was a little easier for me because I went to school in New York New York has a lot of social work history they have a lot of experience on the good side and things that maybe didn't work out so well. And those classes, those ethics, the New York ethics are something that we learned in school. So when I applied, I could submit my transcripts, um, you know, my test scores from Alabama, all that good stuff. And I was able to get licensed. It took several months. Um, for somebody who doesn't have their degree in New York, though, I do think there are some continuing education credits. I think it's Oh, I don't know the exact number of hours. I know it's like 16 or something high like that, that you just have to take on some of those historical ethics and learn about some of those experiences. Yeah. Which is very beneficial to everyone. <laughs> I think that's important anyway, right? Because, I, you know, as you know, I'm licensed in multiple states. And one of the things that I try to be very intentional about is do my CEUs, even though NASW offers national CEUs, I try to, in each state that I'm licensed in, be very intentional about going to, even if it's virtually, the CEUs that are being offered in that state. One, the networking is amazing, but two, you get to know that state and you're just not like working in Alabama and licensed in New York and know <laughs> nothing about, you know, their history and what their what their issues are. And I think that you can just be, you know, the best ever. So I love one that that's a requirement for those of us not licensed or who didn't get to go to, I'm going to Stony Brook University. <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> May, we're at, you know what, we're asking the mayor to grant our social work and library program. And then Stony Brook is going to be like, oh, we want her at our university. So we're speaking at all the ticks. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, but um, 
hopefully folks will look into the New York license. I also think, don't you think that it's going to be easier once you do your clinical next year to transfer that clinical license to New York? Yes. Um, the way that the clinical license works, they do require a little bit more hours than Alabama does. I think it totals out to an extra year. But because I do already have my LMSW there, they can accept these hours that we have done um, as long as I show them also my proof of employment that I've held a social work job. But I do think it will be easier and amazing because that that is such a, a big thing to have there. Yeah, it's a huge thing to have. I agree with you. Tell me, Brittany, who was your favorite social work mentor or instructor and what did they teach you? Well, I mean, I did have a professor um, at Stony Brook and she was my field instructor. She was actually the one who placed me in the libraries and was like, this is where you're going to go. She um, led that program. She started it. She was at the library, got the idea. Um, kind of picked out which communities that needed it most and place people based off of like their personalities, um, which is so awesome. So I think that that's crazy to think that she did that um, all over Long Island, such a populated area. And now she's getting her PhD and she's specifically doing her thesis on library social work. I just think that that's so cool how far she took that. And she is such a role model to me. Um, I would love to create like a real change like that and have such a lasting effect on people. Oh, Brittany, I see that. I absolutely see it. We're going to do something with social workers in libraries in Alabama. And I'm so glad you have that connection so that it's not like we're reinventing the wheel, right? And because Alabama is not New York, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> some of the obstacles won't be there. I'm sure we'll have different ones, but Again, you create magic. Just thinking about the client that you got into the bed in Illinois, you're already a practicing magician, so to speak. <laughs> and so I think that you are going to create a very impactful, you already are, you know that you already are creating impactful change. So, you know, now that you have re stopped resisting social work and are 10 toes down in their profession and you're on this social work journey. What is something, you know, on your journey, you're packing your suitcase, you're, you know, taking along with you as you go along this path? What is, what are a couple of things you would take? To take with me? Mm -hmm. um, definitely, I will take with me my flexibility um, to kind of, I guess, be open to new opportunities. I just like going into it, as soon as I graduated, I was like, I think I'm going to work with kids, not, not in the DHR setting, but like in a counseling setting. I was like, I want to work with kids. I want to help kids. Got my first job with the kids. I was like, whoa, this is not for me. I stayed there for as long as I could, but I kind of decided this is not for me. And I, I realized and from going around to so many different jobs that I can be flexible and kind of work with different populations and learn something about each um, I loved, I, I love working with the Asian population, which I never thought that I would have liked that, but I do. I love working in the senior homes and with my senior patients. So um, I'll take with me everything that I've learned about boundaries. 
Um, I think it's so important both in a workplace and with the clients, like set expectations for what you can do and what you need them to do. Um, it can, I think it can help prevent burnout and just help make your job so much more enjoyable when you set those clear boundaries with somebody. Um, and I will take with me my ethics. Um, I think it's really important everywhere I go, every job, I always consider how I need to fit the ethical code into this position. Like, is this something that I'm trained to do? Do I have the competence to stay in this position? If I don't, is there somebody here that's willing to help me or am I alone in this? And if I am, then I cannot stay here if I want to value my license and keep it. So those three things, those are like every job that I go to, I, I look at those three things. I'm like, this is good that I've got this. Come on through with the wisdom, Brittany. Come on through with the wisdom. I absolutely love that. I got to speak to it. You know, one of the things that I would tell social workers just entering the field, know the type of population you want to work with. And I know, you know, like, I love that you said, oh, I thought I wanted to work with kids. And then I'm realizing, ah, maybe not so much. I knew from the beginning, <laughs> like kids <laughs> like me and I like kids, but I, I don't think I prefer working with adults. Right. And so I never, ever, 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 not one time applied for a job that had me working <laughs> with kids. And I learned that actually from my internship. So the fact that you had the experience, my first, my BSW internship, was with kids. And I was like, yeah, that's, I, I don't think I'm going to be doing that. So the fact that early on in your career, you got that experience and were was able to have, again, like you said, the flexibility to go ahead and know what was right for you and then move on is so important. So um, I love that you said that because I think we wanted to make sure we tell the audience it does a disservice to the clients that you're serving if you're working with a population that you're not happy with working with. Yes. Yes. I think for me, like I love kids so much, like, oh, I can't, I can't tell you no. Or yeah, if you want to play, then let's play. And it's just some of the work that you have to do. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm not the best fit for this position. But yeah. Exactly. And the fact be, the fact is social work is such a broad profession, right? And we're ever we talked about that early, you know, on the interview we're everywhere. So don't stay somewhere when there's like 999 other places, <laughs> other populations, other niches that you can get into. I love that. Ah, and then the second thing I love that you said was boundaries, especially with our newer and even maybe even our seasoned, even our seasoned social workers who may forget who may have forgotten how important boundaries are. I think boundaries save your career, right? They save your career. It helps diminish burnout. And because a lot of social workers do have such big hearts and we wear our hearts on our sleeve and we care so much, we think that having boundaries is being mean. And having boundaries is, like, not having boundaries, again, is, a, is doing a disservice to your clients, if you're just out there doing the work for them, and then they get to the next, you know, crisis in their life, they didn't learn anything <laughs> because you did all all of the things because you care so much. And mm -hmm. so, having boundaries, I think, is number one. I appreciate that you said. It. Do you want to speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, I can. Um, 
I think starting out new, I definitely had that mentality that I think a lot of new social workers have of like, I'm doing this so that I can help people. I want to help people. And you help people help themselves. And you got to set up those boundaries from the beginning of like, I'm here to motivate you and help you work through these problems, but ultimately it's up to you. And I mean, especially when I was working at the prisons with such complex problems and there were times where I just found myself doing too much of the work and setting too high of expectations for what I could do, what we could accomplish in the setting that we had. And that's not beneficial for me or the people that I'm working with. So kind of towards the end, we worked out like, okay, we have this amount of time. This is the issue we are going to work on right now. And we we laid it out and it, it worked so much better. <laughs> it would be great if we could do that as soon as we stepped into the social work field. But I love that you said it, it took practice because where you are now, you have that, right? You know, you have that. I, I My sessions, I have however many long the session is. I have to stop it at a certain time. Sometimes uh, some days are better than others, but my clients know we got to end at this time because one, I got to take care of myself in between sessions, right? Got to, mm -hmm. you know, get up and do our own self-care, not just on the weekends, but even while we're working, set boundaries with your clients that you're not going over the time that you're supposed to be going over. And then you can't, you know, get up to even just go to the restroom for a minute and you have your next session. And so I think, again, it's just a little, little things like you do a disservice to your clients when you do all the work and then you're not taking good care of yourself. And guess what? When you don't have those boundaries, the burnout rate for postmasters is five years. You're going to burn out fast. Yeah. I, I Definitely saw that every day when I went home, I was like, I am exhausted, but I was taking on too much. I love that. And I'm so glad that you've learned. <laughs> so <Yeah>. glad. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, that third thing that you're going to pack in your suitcase, ethics. One, I want to speak to on uh, the ASWB exam. It's not all, but part 25% is the code of ethics. And I talk to folks a lot. One, the code of ethics needs to be your social work Bible right? There's three things I tell clinical, you know, up and coming clinical social workers to have on their desk. You have to have the DSM-5 or whatever version the DSM has at that time, right? So have the DSM-5, I think it's TR now, have the NASW Code of Ethics. You can get it off the NASW website for $6. And then the third thing I think every clinical social worker needs to have is the pill book, right? Because sometimes when we're working in the medical setting, the doctors or the psychiatrists are telling you you're going to be prescribed this, but they're not really, and it's not their job to provide education about the side effects and the other things that come along with taking that particular medication. I think social workers, whether you're in the medical setting, whether you're in private practice like I am, and you have clients who are on medication, know what medicines your clients are taking. So having that code of ethics, again, just like boundaries, saves your job and helps you get licensed actually too yes yeah and I want to you know I get excited about talking about the code of ethics one of my favorite things <laughs> but you know one of the things that I noticed working with some of the social workers this past year folks get stuck on those first six principles I really want to strongly encourage people when they go to the NASW website type in the code of code of ethics there are six standards <laughs> Mm -hmm. Look at the six standards and move past 
social worker responsibility to the clients, look at two, three, four, five, and six, because our, our code of ethics actually within the helping profession is one of the more encompassing code of ethics. When you look at it, you know, in comparison to counseling, in comparison to nursing, in comparison to doctor, you know, ours is way more encompassing. And so making sure that folks are looking at the entire code of ethics and not just those first six standards. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What are some, what's something that you would leave behind? Like, you know, you got, you're in your social work room and you're like, you know what, now that I'm this far along in my social work journey, I'm not taking that with me anymore. Ooh, leave behind. Um, I've left behind, I think kind of, we just talked about this a little bit, but just when I left school, I just had that strong mentality. Like I like, I enjoy helping people. I love having the answers and helping people <laughs> see the answers. Um, but I didn't have the full sentence of I'm helping people help themselves. I only had, I'm helping people. And I kind of became like this social work waitress almost. And um, yeah, I, I would leave back behind that mentality and kind of bring forward with me my motivational interviewing skills and that I am here to help you uh, find the answer for yourself and, and get you to the position that you want to be in. Um, so I no longer say when people ask me why I became a social worker, I do not say to help people anymore. That's not the answer. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Rudy. I'm so glad you said that. And my first one, Social Work 101, that would be, why did you become a social worker? And, you know, there'll be 38 students and 30 of them would say to help people. And so I love that you cleared. So as folks are coming into the profession and you ask that question, find a deeper meaning, <laughs> find a, a different reason that you want to come into the profession because it is truly to help them help themselves, right? I think too, having this discussion for those folks who don't know about social work, who think that we just do everything for the client, right? Now we are magic makers. We've already proven that, right? We will find solutions where there is none, but I love that you're reiterating over and over and over again. We're not here to do the thing for them. We're here to help them figure out that they can do it for themselves. If there was a wish, you're a shooting star. This is our last question. I've loved talking to you. It's been so fun. Um, if there was a shooting star in the field of yours, uh, I'm going to start over. I, I see the whole vision right now. <laughs> we're, we're standing in the field of social work. All, you know, just beautiful, metaphor, lavender and sunflowers and all that. And it's nighttime and you see a, a shooting star passing by and you get to wish on the shooting star regarding the social work profession, what would your wish for the social work profession be? Oh, um, for the social work profession, I guess I would love to see, I guess, just a greater understanding from all of the different, like, I have so much trouble with this word, interdisciplinary teams, an understanding of what we do and what we can do so that we, you know, get get more involvement with these complex cases and that we can kind of give some more of our input and our knowledge and kind of help create some of these treatment plans. I think sometimes, especially in the positions that I've worked in, I look at 
people's histories. I'm like, oh, well, you know, we could have done this or we should have did it this way. And I'm not, I don't think that they thought of like, let's bring a social worker in. Like I'm there, I'm in the hospital, but I'm not doing a lot of the things that I could do or we're not using, being used to the best of the ability. So I would love to see more advocation and training on what we know and what we can do so that we're utilizing all of these intense skills that we know and not just here is the shelter that we have in our area. Like here's all of the other things that we could start from the beginning with, you know? I absolutely do know. I do know. I love that so much. And I hope that this conversation today is taking us one step closer to that shooting star wish that, you know, we are going to be in the libraries and that even though you're in the emergency room or the emergency department, excuse me, um, offering resources, but you are this brilliant mind that is so creative. You create magic and can offer so much to the table than what they're utilizing us for. So I love that you said that was such a great answer, Brittany. To our audience, you know, up and coming, so, you know, we have students who are listening. We have those who are, you know, MSW, LMSW, even seasoned social workers. Are there any final words you would like to say to them? Any, because you've been giving us all this wisdom. You have any last wisdom you want to drop? Um, I truly think that this profession, there are like, so many opportunities. I I just think that it can go so many places. Somebody, if maybe you're getting burnt out in one position, I don't know if it's necessarily reason to leave this field because there's just, I'm seeing new positions all the time. I even saw their vet, like veterinary social workers now, like you can go anywhere and the need is, is everywhere. Um, so I would just say to stay and find the exact place um, that you can fit into because there will be a place 100%. <laughs> yeah, you just got, you can't be scared to leave that job. <laughs> I can definitely say I've worked everywhere in the state of Alabama pretty much since I've moved here. So you cannot be scared because they're all different. <laughs> they are all different. And I love that, Brittany, because every time we um, have a new person join our community you're like yeah I've worked there too I've worked there too <laughs> yes and I've learned so much about it <laughs> about all yes. the resources and you know what I, I know I said it was the last question we are wrapping up but one of the things that I remember you had you were freshly from New York when I first met you and it was such a culture shock for you and I guess we're speaking of those who are coming out of the state from out of the state. It was such a culture shock, even though, you know, you went to school here in the beginning, but having lived in New York for so long and gotten used to the social service system there coming into Alabama, it was completely different. And then being able, witnessing you move around to all these different locations and now being such an an expert at resources and even networking. I wanted to talk to you about networking because you're so good at that as well. I love that you gave yourself an opportunity to get to know the state, right? Because at first I was like, you're just going to go back to New York. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but you allowed yourself to get to know the state and really got to see how beautiful it can be. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Awesome. I definitely learned a lot and I do love it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for joining the show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.